Welcome, everyone, to the 90th episode of You'll Die Trying, a podcast between me, Jonathan Carroll, and Nathan Morris, who is conspicuously absent already. You can tell he hasn't chimed in. He hasn't said anything about what I've said so far. He hasn't said um, hello. That's because Nathan is in absentia. Nathan is not here. He is on a business trip with his wife, Megan, uh, in Denver, Colorado, and uh, it's sad to be uh, doing this podcast recording without him, but he gave us the green light, and I am delighted to be doing it because, in fact, I'm joined by the one and only Joy Carroll. Good morning, Jay. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. Uh, It was very uh, easy um, to think, what was I going to do? I knew I wasn't going to sit in here and talk to myself because you know I do that enough as it is, and to uh, ask you to come and do this with me and the fact that you were so... um, Quick to say yes means a lot. Thank you so much. Just be kind. Thank you. (laughs) I will be very kind. You know I will. This is the 90th episode. You'll die trying. I'm Jonathan Carroll. And this is Joy Carroll. And we are glad you are here. Brent for being our salvation. So we thought, what a wonderful opportunity for us to talk about something that means something to every human being alive, and that is relationships. It might be marriage, they might be family relationships, they might be friendships, might be collegial or work-related relationships, but at the end of the day, we are relational beings. And so Joy and I are going to talk together today about that. Basically, I'm going to be quiet and Joy's going to talk. Okay? Yeah, Go. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell the, all the listeners that how he talks on the podcast is exactly how he talks at home. And there are always random facts and, and book <laughs> re, you know, sightings, and it's just really funny. But he is exactly the same at home. The girls You're think it's so funny. hilarious. Well, I don't know. I, 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 that's it is. It's factual. It's neither a compliment or an insult. It's just a fact. <laughs> it is a fact <laughs> that uh, the 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 me that you're getting in this podcast is the me that really it's exists. Authentic. Yep, that's it. Um, it was funny when Joy and I first got together. Um, of course, I'm I'm a humanities guy. Um, Joy's a numbers girl, so for me, it's all about words, and for Joy, it's all about numbers, which of course is you know factual, and that's like the universal language. But for sure. me, I'm all about the words. So we would be talking, it'd be late into the evening, and Joy would just have this look come over her face, and I'd say, oh, what are you thinking? She's like, oh, I'm just thinking that you use a lot of words. (laughs) (laughs) You would do better if you would say what you wanted to say with fewer words. Babe, I hate to break it to you, but you still use a lot of words. I have really concentrated on trying not to use so many words. That's okay. My my words have uh, come up, so... That's good. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry for using so many words. I do try to use an economy of words now, but it's true. Sometimes I get a little verbose. Well, I think anybody something. who's read <laughs> anybody who's read anything that I've ever written will agree that I use way too many words. Yes, y'all should hear him preach. Mm. It's awesome. You're, 
It's true. Oh, I didn't know where you're coming from. No, it was. It's great, but it is a lot of words. Yeah, <laughs> I'm working on it. It's like the uh, I have a, a column that I write for the local newspaper, and they give me a word limit, and I it's just never make it. Nope. There's <laughs> one time when I doubled it. How Only, many words? Uh, they really prefer eight to nine hundred. And usually it's fifteen hundred. No, it's around twelve. Okay, that's good for you. My I'm last several have been right at a thousand. That's good. Yeah. So anyway. That's good. So Joy Carol. Jonathan Carroll, yes. What is it that you what what do you think about relationships? What's well, easy about them? What do you love about them? And what makes them difficult and challenging? Well, first of all, I'd have to say that it is a joy to be in a relationship with you. You are mm-hmm. a pleasure and you're always trying. You're always trying something different when we, you know, have our little hiccups mm-hmm. and you add humor to it, which sometimes I don't like, mm-hmm. but I've come to, don't tell Jonathan, but I've come to kind of like it. <laughs> he won't hear this. He doesn't listen. Okay, good. That's good. <laughs> Drink your coffee. Right. And uh, But I think it has to do with, well, compassion, empathy, which is something I need to work on that you really do well with, and unconditional love and respect and trust. I also have a thing about actions, and I think an action, I will take an action over words any day. Mm-hmm. So that is something that's important to me. If you're a listener, you've definitely heard me say that that's one thing I've learned from you, Joy, is that actions always mean more to you than words. They do. And half-truths are the same as a lie to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people you know, try to make themselves look better mm-hmm. or, you know, say what is the easiest thing or the laziest thing instead of just flat out 100% honesty. And I am, boy, that is my thing. So that is important in a relationship with me. What about you? Well, I want to echo something you said. It really is a, a true joy and delight to be married to you. That's Seriously, right. it, it is a it is a wonderful thing. You are uh, hugely encouraging and supportive. I've never known anything like it in my well, life. It's easy to be when you excel in so much, babe. Well, I, I don't know about that. I just I know do. that you're naturally a very encouraging person. I watch it with the girls. I watch it with everybody you work with and all your philanthropic work. It's constant. You're well, constantly it. encouraging people. I just hope you allow yourself to be encouraged too every now and then. Which No, I'm hard on myself. <laughs> hard. So hard on yourself. I can't help it. Um, but yeah, I'm, it is a delight. And yeah, there are hiccups. I mean, that's that's what it means to be in relationship. It would be weird. I, I hear people all the time say, "Yeah, so and so and I, we we never, we never fight. We never get into any, any arguments." And it makes me wonder: is that because they are the same person, or is it because someone isn't being himself or herself fully? Well, I think we both kind of understand that, though, from previous relationships. Yeah. Because we neither one of us would really get into fights, and no. it was just kind of surface, and it just meant you could quit caring, right? Mm-hmm. And with us, boy, that is not there, right? We will have at it, and yeah. and I think that's healthy. We're to both get it really strong willed. We are, and to get out your feelings and your thoughts, and and I don't know if it's good or bad, but we do it in front of the girls, which shows them that. You know, all relationships require and, well, they do require and have conflict. And it's okay. Conflict's not bad. Right. It can be healthy. And and so we do that too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, you've always said that we're both really strong people and, and um, our marriage is going to be incredible if we don't kill each other. Exactly. And we haven't. So far, so good. Yeah, we're rolling. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're coming up on that time when a lot of couples kind of figure out that what they've been doing, they, they don't want to do anymore. Um, seven years is that kind of famous time. Um, two years is the second most popular in 21 years. So okay. uh, we passed the the second one. We're coming up on that seven year. But I, I think that what we have done is we figured out that you can and should think what you think, say what needs to be said, as long as it's done with respect and with kindness. I agree. And I think we are better now than we were Oh yeah, the second year, Absolutely. third, fourth. You know, we are we are doing better and are stronger now. And we, I think we dance rather well. Yeah. Thank you. That's a nice way of saying it. Your hair looks really good today, by the way. Thanks, babe. Um, I think it's important that that people know that the stuff we talk about, like uh, on this podcast about relationships and pushing pause and stepping back and taking a breath and getting perspective and showing empathy, which doesn't mean feeling what another person feels, but accepting that they feel what they feel and being okay with that. Like that's not just stuff that we talk about in like a book setting or in an antiseptic vacuum, but like it's rubber on the road, you know, actual relationship stuff. That's stuff that you and I do. Yes. And it's obviously not easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it, right? I agree. Uh, what's the hardest part for you in terms of, um, let's let's go with the more complicated stuff. When it comes to conflict, when it comes to differing opinions. Uh, if, I always think I'm right. <laughs> As hey, do me too. You. <laughs> I also always think you're right. No, and no, no, that's no, not you true. don't. No. I wish. I know. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. Right. But my, oh gosh, my challenge is that I want to just quit, walk away. And Jonathan <laughs> does not allow that. Oh my, we have to talk it through. Yeah, it's because I'm wordy. <laughs> you are wordy. So that has been a compromise in our marriage is that I will stay engaged as long as the conflict is uh, performed in a kind way. Yes, calm that's, way. that's a nice way of saying it. Yes. If you are a, an athlete and if you injure yourself, there are a couple of options, right? If you like maybe pull something or you feel a pinch or you have maybe you've turned your ankle or something, you can choose to sit and kind of be with it for a minute, assess the situation. You can choose to walk it off. You can choose to keep going as if it didn't happen and risk furthering the injury, right? I think a relationship is similar and that when you reach a, a moment that would be considered potentially injurious, I think you have to decide what needs to happen. And I think just pressing on as if nothing happened, which in this case with the analogy would mean us just continuing to talk, I think that could be not healthy. I think your way... An example of that would be your arm that you won't go to the doctor about and now you can't even flex your left arm. So your way is, I think, historically... to make that point real quick. To, to just, like, not talk about it. My way is to talk about it right here and now. Yes, I want to walk it off a minute. And so you will come back to it? I will come back to it, yes. In a few years? No. <laughs> Maybe. So no. I think we do better when we say, okay, let's take a break. Obviously, we're both frustrated. Let's come back. How about 
an hour from now? I'm good with that. My problem is I don't want to become mean. And I can say things that might not be as kind just to um, kind of get you in the moment because I'll get all riled up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm preventing. It's it's protection of you from me in a way. Mm, that's why you, you take a beat. Yes, that makes me sound really bad, but it's No, it true. doesn't. Actually, it makes you sound more mature because I think my way is a more anxious way because I just want it to be resolved. Yes. Like I want it resolved right now. But you, not to point it out, will apologize only to then say... Right, to come back around. Why you are correct. Right. And I'm like, right. no, and then it starts all over again. Yes. So what I've learned is, number one, I need to really listen like to what your, what your concern or frustration or sadness is. Secondly, as I listen to it, I need to not think about what it means to me or about me, but what it means to you and what it means about you. Well, actually, I think you're good about that because that's your empathy part, and that is my Achilles heel. I don't think I'm good at it because I tend to make everything about me, and sometimes you're frustrated has nothing to do with me, and you'll say, this isn't about you, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Well, that's true. So I need to just let it be, and then once I realize, oh, this actually is about me, then I need to say, okay, I'd like to, for us to talk about it. Clearly, now isn't a great time. Can we make a time? And then for you to be open to that, which you are. Yes, I will talk about it. I will always talk about it. Mm-hmm. But just I might just need a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is okay. It is okay. So when a person in him or herself becomes flustered or frustrated, I always talk about how important it is to push pause. And rather than shut down or, or, or get out or st- what, what is called stonewalling, I'd rather... The horsemen. Yes. So we're talking about the four horsemen of the marital apocalypse. This comes up often. <laughs> if we do something or we're in a fight, he's like, that's a horseman. <laughs> <laughs> You're stonewalling me. It's interesting because the research shows that when the female is the stonewaller, the relationship is much more prone to dissolve. Then I get all mad and I'm like, no, wait a minute. What are the other three? <laughs> <laughs> right. So criticism is number one. Defensiveness is number two, which is a natural byproduct of someone being critical as the other person being defensive. A third one is contempt, which is resentment plus. It's resentment with a power differential. It's not only, you know, eye rolling, but it's, you know, whatever. And then you call someone a name. Like that's contempt. I think we only have stonewalling. And then stonewalling. And that's from me. Yeah, you're not a critical person. You're not a critical person. I do tend to become defensive because I do tend to think that there's always something wrong and it always is about me? Let's talk about that. Okay. Because Jonathan does have this... I'm going to go get more coffee. Keep going. <laughs> this trait where he always thinks everything is his fault, even when you're not even truly like immersed in, in whatever is going on. Jonathan will always say, oh, gosh, I must have done something. Or if somebody calls and he hasn't heard from him, oh, I hope nothing um, is wrong. I hope I haven't done anything. I don't understand that. Why? Why always go to fault yourself? I don't know. I've thought about it for a long time. <clears throat> and I, excuse me, I think, it's, I think it's just a hypersensitivity to not wanting to be a burden or a problem or 
the cause of someone's upset. But you're never any of those. Well, not never. Well, not never, but you are mostly none of those things. <laughs> um, I think it's, I think it's just part of growing up with, you know, the way I did and um, wanting to make sure that I was, I was doing the right thing. And I always, you know, tried anyway to play by the rules. I certainly made my share of mistakes, but yeah, I did not want to be an embarrassment to my family. Um, as my mother became a widow, I did not want to make, you know, my mom worry. People would say that I was going to do terrible things when I went to college, and I knew about that, so I never did those things in college. Like, I was always trying I to... I didn't know you very well then. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am definitely a rule follower. Yes. Yeah, even to this day. I am not. <laughs> so that, that made me, uh, I think a little bit hyper-responsible for my age and as a result, always wanting to kind of get out of the way and not be a burden or an obstacle. So I don't know why I assume someone's like, hey, I'd love to, you know, let's get together. I'd love to talk. And I'm like, oh, no. What are they mad about? Well, so you just said when your mom became a widow, today is the anniversary of your dad's death, and it's been 29 years today. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I just wanted to kind of see how you were feeling. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, this is our first time seeing each other today. It is. I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, 29 years today. Um, and so by the time this airs, it'll be um, not today. <laughs> um, you know, it's on my mind. It's always on my mind. Um, people talk about the need to move on and get over it. And I think that's what people say who haven't experienced you know, a life-changing loss when you're a kid, that's what you're afraid of. You know, you're afraid you're going to lose a parent because that's your safety and stability. It really has nothing to do with your parent. It has everything to do with you right. as a kid, which is appropriate. Um, and then when that kind of thing happens, you think, oh, well, that means anything can happen. And sometimes it does. There have been some pretty big traumatic stuff to happen in my life, like everybody's, I'm sure. So um, I'm thoughtful about it. It's kind of a, a holy day for me. It was three o'clock in the morning when we got the call. It was the only night we didn't spend in the hospital of the 11. Because mm -hmm. finally we were like, well, maybe we need to go actually get some real sleep. And then we got a call, you know, to come back. It wasn't good. So we kind of kicked ourselves about that for a long time. Um, but what can you do? You just do the best you can. Well, your dad might have known. Yeah. Might have made that choice. Who knows? In the ICU. Well, I love how you always say that when you have a death or you're grieving, that there is a hole. Say that analogy. I really like that. So I don't think that the the hole in the fabric of things ever gets sewn together or, or knitted back or covered up or filled in. I think that we always live, those of us who grieve, with with a hole in the ground. And it's as if we have to figure out a way to live near it and around it and with it, but never try to, to fill it. So I talk about the possibility of metaphorically speaking, you know, putting a little bench beside it, planting some flowers, um, maybe a, a tree of remembrance and have a place to go um, to, to uh, commemorate and memorialize and remember the person and the relationship that's lost. You know, I'm a big person who believe I'm, I'm. I'm a big believer. I'm a big person, <laughs> but I'm a big believer in that relationships 
don't end just because one person in that relationship has died. Because I believe I can continue to get to know my father through my family. I think I can t- continue to work on my part of the relationship, my part of the of the dyad, by becoming a better version of myself, by uh, utilizing what wisdom I did learn from my dad. And because I was young, I don't really have a whole lot of memory of that, but he was thoughtful enough to write a letter to me, which does have a tremendous amount of stuff in there. And uh, as a result, I think that I do have um, something to go by, which is very nice. Well, you're also very good about talking about your dad and talking about the memories that you do have. And I, I love that because you're passing it on to your girls as well. Yeah, it's sad to have children who ne- will never know their their grandfather on this side. That is sad. That's something I think about a lot. Well, and I wish I had met him too. I know, me too. Mm-hmm. He would have adored you. And, he would have had a crush on you. you. Oh, please. He would have. You can ask my mom. <laughs> She'll tell you. <laughs> so it's a big day for me. I, lo- I, I kind of think about it, you know, well, all the time because it's, it's a big day. Uh, and it's, uh, it will always be. It was weird at when I turned 30, I had been alive as long without my dad as I had been with my dad. And that was like, wow. So I, that was a big threshold. Now I'm 44. And he was 46 he when was he passed? 46. Okay. So now I'm approaching that. Right. Which, of course, is going to be on my mind. Um, you know, my sister survived 46. She's still kicking it. So, there you, go. you know, fingers crossed. I'm 48. I'm still kicking it. You make 48 look amazing. Oh, well, you're, you're going to do well too, babe. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, I was thinking about you. Thank you. And that's actually, better or for worse, that's a big part of our relationship, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. that's my deep sadness that I carry with me. It is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the seat and the seedbed of sadness, frustration, any anger that I might carry, I think all goes back to that. I agree. To that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But July is a tough month. Yeah. It's a tough month. Okay. We just lost our dog. We did. Oh, Brie. Brie, B-R-I-E, like the cheese. Her brother is Merlot. Yes, eight she's only old. eight and a half years old. Found her in her kennel. She had passed away, we think, in that morning. Really sad. That was just one week ago. It was. From this recording. Mm-hmm. I called Jonathan. Exactly, one week ago this moment. Yes, I called Jay when, as um, soon as I went down to let her out and to feed her. And and if I call twice, that means he knows that he needs to answer. And he was podcasting. And um, anyway, I called and he answered on the second time and Bree passed away. And he immediately said, I'll be right there. And I didn't know that you were in the middle of your podcast, but he called me two seconds later from the car and was on his way. So, Sorry that happened to you. Oh, me too. Thank you for taking care of her. Thank you for letting me be your person. I mean, and I have seen so many dog commercials, dogs out. I mean, it is unbelievable. Yeah. So every time we pass a dog, I'm like, oh, Bree's dead. Yeah, she is. <laughs> the girls don't like that very much. Well, it's one way of coping. <laughs> it's on your mind. You may as well say it. Yes. I'm like, oh, poor Brie. We were in Nashville over the weekend, and someone talked about their dog, and we said, our dog just died. Just that, just matter-of-factly. The lady just like, looked at oh. us like, yeah. oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, that's us though. We're pretty matter of fact. Oh goodness, let's talk about something more one uplifting. Of the, one of the things I I think when you're in relationship with someone, you and you're you're with them a lot, whether you're a friend or in this case a marriage, you see how that person interacts with other people. C.S. Lewis was a Christian writer. He was an Here atheist for a long time, and he was an Englishman. And he wrote several books after becoming a Christian. And one of them is called The Four Loves. And in that book, he talks about how you come to love your beloved even more by how other people love them. Yes. By how they interact with other people. This is important to note that when you're dating someone, if the person you're dating is unkind to table servers, dump them immediately. Yes. Or if they're unkind to their mother or to their father or to pets, obviously. I don't know why that said obviously. Then it should be obvious with the other stuff too. <laughs> if they're unkind to cashiers at the grocery or at the, at the uh, hardware and home improvement store, how they treat custodians is how they're going to end up thinking about and treating you. Well, and then I'm going to brag on you. Well, because, I was I was bringing it up because no, I wanted to talk about you. because you are the kindest to all of those professions, professions, and um, and it has definitely rubbed off on me even more and on our children. We took them to Disney World, and it was happened to be on Thanksgiving. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, it's three years ago. Yes, and we went to the girls. You know, we have four girls, so I took them all to the to the restroom, and there was a nice lady in there that was cleaning and as the girls came out of their um, the restroom they would come out and wash their hands and when they did they all thanked the lady one by one and I was the last one to use the restroom when I came out I said oh thank you so much for what you're doing and the bathroom looks so nice and we really appreciate you working on on a holiday thank you for um, for making this so nice for our family and she said, do you have four young ladies? And I said, yes. And she immediately started crying. And she oh, said, gosh. every single one of them thanked me. And I just want to tell you that you made my day because I am missing my Thanksgiving with my entire family. But I needed extra money. And so that's why I'm here today. So thank you. You've made my day. Oh, I mean, and she was just in tears. And I gave her a big hug. And oh. it really got to me. But I mean, even in the grocery store, we will cry. we will be you know see somebody that's stacking the shelves, and we always stop to thank them. And now the girls are doing it, and mm -hmm. I love it. And people will actually, like for instance, in Kroger, when we thanked someone, they stopped and they looked at us like, "Are you kidding? Or are you being serious?" Exactly. And um, and we're serious, and it really takes them back, and they're like, "Oh my gosh! Well, thank you. I appreciate you noticing." And you you do have to do those things. And most people don't. Yeah. You're very good at it. Well, you are too. I, that's why I brought it up. Thank you for saying that. I, I Because you are, you're just so good to people. And like I was talking about earlier, your encouragement and support, it's constantly that way for everyone. So people that you encounter in, in shops and stores, it's like you've known them forever and they feel so at peace in your presence. And that was one of the things that really kind of, I mean, I didn't need to be won over. I was already won over because of who you are and of... And, and I've known you so long and we were friends and all that stuff. But to see you interact with people whom you don't know and treat them as your own person, that's really moving to me. Well, we are very similar in a lot of ways, and that is one of them. Well, thank you for saying that. That's a huge compliment. You're welcome. 
I love that it's rubbing off on the girls. That that makes my heart smile. I feel like if you can live with a heart of gratitude for all people, then you can do anything in the world. I agree. I'm working on empathy. That's my that's <laughs> that's mine. That's what I've got to work on. So how what are you doing to work on it? Well, I mean, I noticed, by the way, that you are working on it. Talking about your dad. I had it on my calendar. I had a reminder on my phone because I wanted to make sure that today you were in a good space and that, um, you know, that I was recognizing that today would be a, a very hard day for you. So that's an example. That's huge. I try to put myself in the shoes of teenage girls and, you know, that they're not always um, emotionally don't want to say well put together stable (laughs) but that might be the right word they're just kind of all over the place and I try to remember how I felt with my mom and you know that she didn't know what was going on and you know you're invincible yeah so I try to place myself in that just things like that but it is something I struggle with Well, I notice a difference. I notice that you're trying to slide into my shoes and see things from my perspective. And even though you may not like what you see or agree with what you see, you're at least understanding it. And and that, I'm telling you, that is a game changer. When in the middle of a conversation, you can say, I totally get why you would think that. I don't, I mean, it doesn't change the the, the effects or the results, but oh, I but totally get it. the dynamics change. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Because then you feel heard. Right. And that's all that anyone wants is to feel heard. Like, I hear you. If I were in your shoes, I might think the same thing. I agree. So I'm not, but I, so I don't. But if I were, I would. And that is like, thank you. Like, okay, now we're on, I think empathy, I've written and talked about this before. I think empathy is the human superpower. Besides resilience, our ability to rise up I also think that being able to understand another person's perspective and accept it without evaluating it is hugely important in all relationships. And I completely agree. And I am Wonder Woman. You are Wonder Woman. <laughs> no, exactly I'm right. I'm not, but I used to dress up as Wonder Woman. <laughs> you make like, an awesome Wonder Woman. Every year at Halloween, even as an adult, maybe. Joy and I really like costume parties. <laughs> oh, I think those are really fun gosh. Halloween parties. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I want to... Sh- uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the way that we have learned to manage conflict. Okay. Because I think conflict obviously is one of the things that people in relationships, whether, again, this doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. There are going to be conflicts even among friends. And uh, I know people who are just cold and mean as can be to each other and they totally get it like they accept it that's just their culture it's how they've been they get over it in a little bit no problem that doesn't work for me necessarily because i don't you know why because i'm always thinking what if something happens to me right in between the not nice and the reconciliation like that's a driving force for and me and when he says when something happens he means someone dies yeah. <laughs> that is always what that means yes. to jonathan Bree died mm-hmm. Bree died so, so I'm always conscious of the fact that I never want to leave with someone angry at the other person because I, I would not want to leave that person with that as the last memory. And that happens all the time. It does. It does. I think part of conflict is that you have to be your own person. I have to be my own person. 
I don't need to fix you. You don't need to fix me. We just need to understand one another. We just need to understand each other. Take responsibility for our part. Yes. Our contribution. Um, change what we can and what, what needs to be because right. only I can do that for me. And only I can do that for me. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. Glad oh, you brought that up. No. I think you're doing therapy. And, <laughs> no, no. And that we uh, allow ourselves to, as you said, to be who we are. That's the beauty of this relationship is that I absolutely love who you are. And I, and I really like who you are. Like you were, I like you a lot. So you're a lot of fun, you're funny, you're super smart. All this stuff that makes life worth living is kind of encapsulated in you. So even though, yeah, there are going to be times when, you know, you tell me to turn left when I was going to go the other direction or that maybe I should or, or should run not. run a stop sign. <laughs> it's know, a slow, steady crawl. It's a, <laughs> they call it a North Carolina stop where I'm from. Oh. So I was from Virginia. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of slowly roll through the stop. You, you you clearly can see there's no one for miles. Say North Carolina, and then you're from Virginia. Yeah, yeah. That was the way we would make fun of North Carolinians. Was, okay. Oh, that's a Carolina stop right there. Meaning they should have stopped, but they didn't. Okay. Didn't yeah. didn't get that. You know, how states will make fun of other states. No. 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 I'm from Texas. <laughs> there's only one state for <laughs> there's you. Only one state. Like what other states? <laughs> Texas. That's awesome. No, I, you know, I agree. And we, well, our personalities are a lot alike and, and we mesh really well, but we are not 100%. We are each 100%. And that makes, I think that makes the biggest deal. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's not, relationship isn't 50 50. Right. It's 100 100. Mm-hmm. You got to be 100% in. Whenever I'm seeing couples in marital therapy and I'll ask them, how much of you is committed to making this marriage work? And they'll be like, I'm 80%. I'm like, okay, well, the marriage isn't going to work. And they're always like Dang. wide-eyed. And I'm like, well, <laughs> how could you be 80? Are you, how committed to you are, your, to, are you to your next breath? How committed are you to making sure that you eat in the next three days? Are you 80% in? Because I'm guessing you're going to eat in the next three days. Sounds to me like you're 100. That's good. That's good. So if you're not 100% committed to the relationship, not to the other person necessarily, but to the relationship and to yourself in it, then it's not going to survive. And I am 100% in it to win it. I'm in it to win it too. You're a wonderful person. Well, we're lucky. We've learned, and I want uh, to encourage everyone uh, in any kind of relationship to, to learn to push the pause button, take a breath, allow there to be some time. We are talking about the the runner or the athlete who hurts himself and then has to decide what to do. We do best when we physiologically self-soothe, meaning when we just like pacify ourselves. If you get really mad, rather than say something that you know that you don't mean or don't want to say or that's just designed to hurt the other person, just don't say anything at all. Take a minute. Go somewhere. Walk it off. Think about it. Think about what you want this to be like. How do you want this to end? And what power do you have to make it so? And then come back, say you're sorry for what's yours, try to get clarity on where the other person was, show empathy by understanding and accepting where it is, and say, look, I don't want to, I'm not here to be unkind to you. I just want to figure it out. I want us to move forward. I want to understand. Sorry for being a fill in the blank. And uh, <laughs> asshole. Let, <laughs> and let's move, <laughs> let's move forward when you're ready. And I found that that is the most effective. 
Yes, and something that you've taught me is to talk more about I will or I have instead of you did or you do. Yes, try to always use I language. Right. Because blaming shuts things down because that's received as a criticism, which means the other person becomes defensive. And that's two of the four horsemen. Oh, that's two. So then somebody gets overly critical or defensive and the other person's going to stonewall. That's three. Don't eye roll. And no eye rolling. No whatever. (laughs) No, I don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't care. Whatever. And we become teenage girls. That's all. Yeah, that's all very resentment oriented. So uh, if you have any one of those four horsemen in your relationship, it's not a death sentence. If you have all four of them, it's not a terminal diagnosis. It just means that you are going to need to do a little work in your, in your marriage. And all marriages need work. Every mar- It's the best marriage in the world, which I would argue is ours, still requires a lot of work. I agree. A lot of work. A lot of tending and pruning, watering, weeding, and then ultimately enjoying the fruit. There you go. Wonderful. Joy, thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. The Thanks for going out of town, Nathan. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nathan and Megan, I hope that your trip is wonderful. This is the 90th episode of You'll Die Trying. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Joy. We're the Carols, and we're glad you joined us. Bye.